0: Politics as Usual is a global partners governance podcast brought to you by GPgovernance.net.
1: Hello and welcome to Politics As Usual. This week we are talking to Ala Talibani, who is one of the longest-serving politicians in the Iraqi parliament. She was part of the original Kurdish delegation in the first transitional authority in 2005, which helped to create the new Iraqi state and has been elected at every election since. In that time, as a leading member of the Kurdish PUK party, she's been a formidable campaigner, both for Kurdish autonomy and for women's rights in Iraq, as well as internationally. Uh, now, we recorded this interview over a year ago, um, and it focuses in large part on her early life and how she got into politics in the first place, having joined the P.U.K. party in 1986, and her activism and her refusal to join Saddam Hussein's Bath Party meant that she was imprisoned and ultimately forced to emigrate in 1991 because of her political views. Uh, as she explains, it was the fact that she was on a Baath Party blacklist, which meant that she ended up in London. And she talks about that experience of persecution under Saddam Hussein. As she puts it, Saddam Hussein was humiliating everybody equally. Um, She also talks about the experience of being in London in 2003 when the decision was taken to invade Iraq and her subsequent experience of being at the heart of the political efforts to rebuild the Iraqi state following the invasion. Uh, the interview was obviously recorded long before the mass protests that started in many parts of Iraq uh, this autumn, and which have resulted very sadly in hundreds of protesters being killed by Iraqi forces, um, and have, that have led in the last week to the prime minister tendering his resignation. Uh, it's unclear how things will develop in the coming weeks and months in Iraq, um, but Allah does reflect on many of the, the daily challenges of simply surviving in a state racked by the constant threat of violence and unreliable and inadequate public services in Iraq, factors that are at the heart and at the root of many of the, the current grievances of the protests of the people in, in Iraq. It's a fascinating insight into the recent political history of Iraq and Allah's very personal story about her role in those events. I hope you enjoy it. And I thank you for agreeing to do this, um, and I just wanted to start by uh, asking you how you you're a, a, a politician in the Council of Representatives, you've been a politician since 2005, since the, the, the Council of Representatives was appointed, one of the longest standing members of the Iraqi parliament. And sure. I just wanted to ask you how, how that happened, how did you become an MP in the first place?
0: Thank you so much, I appreciate this opportunity. Um, um, I joined my party, which is the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan, in 1986, where I was only 20 years old. But at that time, it wasn't easy, not only for women, for men as well, for any particular, let's say, Iraqi and Kurdish uh, uh, people to be part of opposition's party, because it was during the former Baath Party, former dictatorship regime party. And our parties were partisans, were in the mountains fighting for Mm. freedom against, um, for the freedom of Kurdish. They were um, um, struggling against the Iraqi Baath party. So So joining them, it was uh, in number one, not as a woman wanted to be, or she wants to be a politician, Mm. it's just like a Kurdish person. An Kurdish individual who we felt that we have been humiliated by Saddam Hussein. And it was a secret joining. Uh, even my family didn't know that I joined the PUK and I became a little, small, young member in the so party. So what sort
1: of stuff were you doing? This was, a, to, for the context that people who perhaps don't understand, this was obviously under Saddam Hussein's uh, exactly. uh, regime, uh, which is very repressive of the, 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 the Kurdish uh, uh, nation. And What did that involve then in joining the party because it was clearly, it was a band organisation and it was underground and so what were you doing? Our party
0: were partisans in the mountains so all what we were used to do is they were educating us in uh, not accepting this regime and that the uprising should come one day. Um, that's all what we could do, because for men, they used to join the mountains and became partisans and became Peshmergas. But for us, as women, it was all about uh, public awareness on the regime's uh, crimes against Kurds, against all Iraqis and Kurds in particular. So it was like that until 1991, when Mm. the uprising happened. And for example, I was among the group of people who we knew that the uprising was going to take place there was information used to come from the party secretly. So after the uprising, after 1991, in particular in 1992 when the safe haven created by the British and other coalition to protect the Kurdish area, which is mm. called the KRG now, after that my work became um, a known or, uh, visible work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, uh, besides being member of PUK and working as a um, small politician with party, but I really involved in women's issue, mm-hmm. more with the women council, women union of uh, PUK and Kurdistan and with civil, with civil society. So here my work uh, became clear, became more uh, visible for everyone.
1: And did, just leading up to that that period where you joined exactly. the PUK in, yeah. in 1986, What you were born in Kirkuk and yes. brought up there. Yes. What was that like for people who perhaps don't understand mm. what, what Kurdistan was, was like? Well,
0: at the time? Kirkuk is a disputed area, even in the Iraqi constitution, it's a disputed area where Kurdish, uh, we believe historically, geographically, it's part of Kurdistan. But for the others in Iraq, for the non-Kurdish, they believe that uh, Kirkuk is an Iraqi city, which is uh, f- not only f- which is not part of Kurdistan. This is a, an issue. This is a legal issue right now mm. between KRG and between Kurdish parties and between the federal government. Uh, Kirkuk is a mixed city where Kurds, Arab and Turkmen's live. For Um, thousands of years since it was created I believe. Um, 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 It's a city with which needs lots of work which needs lots of uh, um, 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 effort and until now we couldn't we are not able to manage uh, getting into a legal constitutional um, an agreement in sorting out Kirkuk and other disputed area so it's it's one of my political issue mm-hmm. it's one of the issues that I've raised since I became an MP from Kirkuk mm-hmm. you know born there uh, brought up in Kirkuk my grandfather was an MP okay. uh, for six terms mm-hmm. um, and one of one of uh, among one of the very well-known Kurdish MPs in Kirkuk since 1925 so um, uh, holding the same issue of Kirkuk and um, sorting Kirkuk's problem out is, uh, is is one of the topic in my agenda since I'm in the parliament and
1: what, what was that just a, the experience of a child growing up in that sort of environment mm. in a disputed area like Kirkuk what was that like I mean I how think
0: did that... it depends on you how you pick the environment mm. you lived in for me um, um, growing up in a society where there was Kurd, Arab and Turkmen, I strongly believe in human beings. Mm. Um, I am a Kurdish, I'm proud to be Kurd, but I strongly believe that uh, uh, Kurds should um, struggle for their rights among Iraqi society. Mm. I believe that Baghdad is the most important and number one important capital city or a city for Kurds before others in the region or worldwide. Mm. Um, I speak all the languages of the continents of Kirkuk. I speak Turkmen, Kurdish, and Arabic. Um, so since I am a little child, I, in my neighborhood, we speak Turkmeni, we speak Kurdish, we speak Arabic. That gives me more power, gives me knowledge uh, of the society of my city. So now, with, Kur- with other non-Kurdish MPs in Baghdad, with Turkmen MP and Arab MP, I never find any difficulty in dealing with them, in negotiating mm. with them, and um, drafting laws or, per, or or asking for the right of our city, I think it helps me a lot.
1: But um, were you conscious of those divisions growing up in Kirkuk, as you said, it was it's a disputed area. How did that, on a daily basis, you know, what was what was hap- what, what was reinforcing that? was there, was there a sort of a. You've just mentioned, you know, the believing in human beings and the fact that you you had different groups around you, you know, the Turkmen, the Kurds, and the Iraqis, all together. Was there a sense of division within Kirkuk? Was there was there divided societies and how was it un- living under Saddam Hussein's regime at that time?
0: Under Saddam Hussein's regime, we were all equal in in being humiliating. Saddam was his equality was humiliating everyone's equally: Kurd, Turkmen, Shia, hmm. Sunnah, Arab um with difference of course with d- different levels because we as a kurd we were uh, uh, there was a debatification, uh I, I mean sorry forcing people to be to join Ba'ath party mm-hmm. we were displaced there was a, a process of arabization of kirkuk uh, getting out kurds bringing arab from other cities and that's so was that all f- because
1: possible removal exactly so people just kept what what happened the army came in just you took people away. No, or?
0: it was a, in a very smooth political way. Um, it wasn't done by forces, unless until 1991, when Iraqi forces came, and Kurds were afraid and they left because we participated in the uprising against the former mm. regime. But until that time, it was a slow political, long-term uh, process in changing the demography of Kirkuk from a majority Kurd. To majority of Arab. And that's all because it's a rich city of petrol. Mm -hmm. So all Iraqi former regimes um, until Saddam since, and while he was in power, they were afraid of having Kurd majority in Kirkuk because they were afraid that one day Kirkuk, if it's going to be part of Kurdistan, and they all afraid of the dream of Kurdish people in having their own Mm -hmm. separated country, they were afraid of Taking Kirkuk with its rich oil wheels and oil resources, because that's why this is very important for me. Like everybody's interest is it's in the oil, it's not in the land. Mm. Uh, so when I became a member of parliament, I realized that. Unfortunately, you ask me about living in diversity society. Mm. It taught me that, as a as a people individually, as a groups, as a. Um, um, ethnicities in Kirkuk and uh, different nations, um, I mean different backgrounds, Kurd, Arab, Turkmen, Christians, uh, there is a big, uh, huge community of Christians mm. in kirkuk There is no diversity. We are together, there is marriage, there is lots of social um, 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 relations between these uh, groups in kirkuk it's party's interest, mm. it's party's interest and I strongly believe after all these years until today, uh, there were no will to sort uh, Kirkuk problems in a, in a legal, healthy way. Mm. Everybody is taking it as its interest, how much more I gain, how much more power it gives me, unfortunately.
1: Mm. And the, so that the, those sorts of issues... That was what sort of initially prompted you joining the PUK in the, mm. the, the, the mid eighties. To, I mean, it's interesting what you said that Saddam Hussein was humiliating everybody equally, which equally, I guess exactly. provides a, yes. a basis from, yes. for, for, for for politics. But um, so that between eighty six and ninety one, the you know the the Gulf War, and the invasion, and then the uprising, as you say, yes. what was going on in your life in that in that period?
0: Um, I was more busy. Um, well. I um, When I graduated from uh, um, my, my high school and then I got diploma in teaching, I was so glad to got in the job for the first time. I became a teacher, but unfortunately it was for a few months only. Was be- that
1: what you deemed to be? Did you want to be a teacher originally? No, oh. no I didn't
0: <laughs> want to be a teacher, but it was, I don't know. But uh, it was a very, but I loved my job, you know, teaching people is is amazing, it's Mm. it's an experience, I like it so much. But then it was a few months when I was in the job, again, I was sacked because I refused to join um, the Bath party. At that time, the party, the Bath dictatorship regime, Yeah, they were forcing people to join the party, forcing people. It was one party, one union, one teacher union, one student union. And because I refused to join the party, so I was sacked from job. Um, why, why
1: did you not join? Would it have not been easier just to join? And
0: No way, because I was against this regime and I was part of my party, which is PUK, whom... Uh, but did that then mark you out?
1: As, I uh, mean, how many people didn't join the Bath Party? I get the sense that most lot, people did.
0: A lot, a lot. People were afraid yeah. because not everybody was uh, able to lose their jobs. It was their livelihood. It was their life... OK, um, um, they couldn't afford living without job. So the, uh, let me tell you, I can tell not um, any, more than half percentage, 50 percentage of Iraqi society joined Ba'ath party because they wanted to stay in their jobs mm. and they wanted to be safe. Yeah. To, be, to be safe, not because they believed in Ba'ath party. Of course, there was a group who were close to the regime, they were part of all crimes uh, acu- accused against Iraqi different societies and groups, but not everyone. Most of the p- people joined because they were afraid, and there was a percentage of people who joined Ba'ath Party just to get jobs and mm. positions because it was forbidden for normal people to become ministers, MPs, and uh, unless you are a real good trusted uh, Ba'ath Party member. Mm. Yeah. So did,
1: did did that you lost your job as a result of that? Yes,
0: I lost my job, and then I was jobless for a while, and then it was the uprising, and then after that I didn't get back to any jobs. I kept working in civil society and in in women's organization until nineteen ninety six, when uh, again there was a um, a clash between Iraqi army and Kurdish um, uh, people when Iraqi armies. Uh, attacked the city of Erbil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there. And after that, I have to leave the country. I flee So Iraq. you were, you
1: know, th- this, this attack on Erbil, this was sort of rockets firing into into the city centre whilst yes. you were there?
0: I was there with my... Uh, I was married at that time with my uh, only daughter at that time, with mm-hmm. my little daughter. She was one and a half year. Yeah. And so... I left my city in 1991 when Iraqi armies came to Kirkuk I flee with my family in 1996 I flee Erbil again which mm-hmm. is another city and then I went to Syria I stayed there for a while then I went to UK and I was a refugee in UK for a while
1: Okay but what did you, what did you do in in Syria and then the UK Nothing
0: in Syria because right. it wasn't easy to do anything but when I arrived UK I got Every minute I was there to learn, to work. I um, improved my language, my English language. I studied there. I did some good, I got some good diplomas and certificated in advocating human rights, um, working in civil society, and I worked with Iraqi oppositions there. And mm-hmm. again, my party had an office there, PUK office. Relations office in uh, in London. I worked with them, and um, I learned uh, it was a it was a golden opportunity for me mm. to get into important institution to know how people works, how to how to defend human rights. Well, uh, until this moment, we were uh, humiliated. But how to do campaign? How I learned how to do lobby, mm. and then the war on Iraq started. 2003 I was in London when the coalition created and when United States, UK and some other car- countries uh, decided to um, remove the Iraqi regime, Iraqi Saddam.
1: I mean obviously the, the decision to invade um, was a hugely contentious one internationally but in between that period of, um, sort of between 96 and 2003 what, yes. I mean we obviously worked with a lot of politicians in, in Baghdad over the last uh, 10 years, and that trying to get a sense of what it was like from London, mm. campaigning against Saddam Hussein, campaigning for rights of, of Kurdistan, Do you, wh- how much hope did you have that things might change ever?
0: Well, you know, when you arrive and you are a refugee and you left your country, at the beginning, uh, you just um, um, don't know um, how to deal Uh, or how to organize yourself with this new Mm. environment and uh, but then very soon I realized that there is um, a legal way and uh, the right way to talk about our humiliation and work against the former regime because until that time we used to raise our voice but in London through the um, uh, courses and through the education I got in human rights, in civil society, I learned how in a right way, uh, in academic way, mm. to uh, defense my country and talk about the humiliation and work against the full margin. For example, um, when I heard uh, about Indice uh, organization, I didn't know what this is this it was a campaign. Mm. It was a campaign to bring Saddam's and other uh, members of Ba'ath Party to the court, to the justice. It was a big campaign. I learned how to gather information, how to put things in document, how to record these, not just saying, Saddam humiliated us, Saddam mm-hmm. attacked us, Saddam gassed our people, Saddam uh, 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 c- committed and file campaign, which is the mass. Disappearance of 183,000 Kurdish people, just women, men, children, taken from their village and buried alive in the um, border between Iraq and Jordan. Oh, sorry, Iraq and Saudi Arabia. I learned how to do this in a right way, in an organizing way, and uh, simply, I learned how to do campaign and how to raise my voice and how to become a um, 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 Human rights advocate in a right way. This mm. is what I learned in London. And also, it was an opportunity to meet people, politicians, MPs. Um, and I was willing and wishing that one day we go back to mm. Iraq and uh, try to um, transfer all these informations and knowledge that I got in UK and it in Iraq. And that's what happened. I'm so glad. You know, let me tell you one thing. When I was, when the war on Iraq started, or it was about to have the war, you know, there was big debates in in, in the British Parliament, mm-hmm. in the House of Commons on, shall we go, shall we be part of mm-hmm. this coalition? And at that time, it was Mr. Tony Blair, the prime minister. Uh, and he wanted to go this. So, and there was this anti-war people, and uh, we as an Iraqi opposition and Iraqi refugee, we wanted. Britain to be part of mm. getting rid of Saddam Hussein. But it was difficult to explain this to everyone because mm. simply when you ask anyone, do you choose between war and peace, you will say, I will choose peace. And of course, there were so many politicians and MPs in Britain who they didn't trust uh, American when they were talking about uh, um, uh, weapon of mass destruction in Iraq. They mm. were simply saying, no, this, this, this America wants to get everyone into a, a lose uh, war. I was part of this campaign mm. within a group of Iraqi peoples, Kurds, Shia, Sunni, to try to uh, uh, to reach to MPs and ask them to uh, to support Mr. Blair uh, to help Iraqi peoples to get rid of the dictatorship regime. And I remember uh, one of these one of the MPs asked me, "It's hard to choose between war and peace. Mm. Which which one you will choose?" So my answer was. For me, it's not a a choice between war and peace. It's a choice between war or keeping a dictatorship. Mm. That's why I am choosing the first one. um, I remember the night when the the house voted to support Mr Blair. At that time, I was seeing how MPs are working and how I can get to their surgeries and how I can get to their offices. I dreamed but I never believed that one day I am going to be an MP and people come to my office and ask me um, to support something or um, but it was it was amazing it was a good experience
1: it's a, it's a very interesting I mean this is not a perspective which is heard very often but obviously we talked to lots of um, I, people I who like yourself, yes. who were abroad were forced out of Iraq and just mm. wanted Saddam Hussein gone yes at almost any cost yes. that, it's uh, I I at the time when you were doing all this I was um, an advisor to Robin Cook, and really? so I worked for him up to the point that he resigned. and Then I lost my job as a result <laughs> of his resignation. So I was right in the centre of that as well. And remember just how you know divided Parliament was. Absolutely, But it's in the in the British context, the, the debate about you know the invasion is often confused with what happened subsequently as well. Mm. And uh, how how I mean. It it got very messy, Mm. very, very quickly. Mm. And how quickly did you get back to to Iraq after 2003?
0: Straight away after the collapse of the regime. May 2003, um, I was back back home.
1: Were there lots of people like you in the same position who suddenly went back?
0: No, still lots of people stayed in the UK. I don't believe everybody left, but because I... I knew that I am there. I refused because there was a threat on my life. I was not secure. I knew that I, I better serve my country. And what I learned from uh, you know, staying that, number, a couple of years in the UK, it's enough to go back and serve my country. Mm. I decided to come back.
1: So the threats on your life—they were going back. You knew you, you were walking into sort of your life would be in danger if you came yeah, back.
0: Yeah, it, it was—it was like that when I flee nineteen ninety-six. Ah, okay. yeah. You know, I was wanted by Iraqi regime, and I was afraid to be to be captured captured by them. Oh, I had not
1: realized that. So would you, you were forced out because yes, you were wanted yes, by yes, the Definitely,
0: definitely, the my government. name was among list of people who for
1: for what reason? Why? Why were you on that list? just
0: because we worked against we were oppositions and we worked. Against the Baath Party. Okay. Yeah. Were, um, you, were you ever
1: caught and imprisoned at any point? In or? nineteen uh, eighty nine
0: and nineteen uh, uh, yes, eighty eight, twice. I was, but for for a day. Okay. I was captured a day. They were investigating with me because, as I say, they knew that secretly you I worked with. Yeah. with a party, with the opposition party. So
1: it was like almost a, a warning to you. Exactly. We know what you're we doing. We know what yeah. you're
0: doing. And because my uncle was, uh, Jalal Salabani, was the head of PUK, the general Secret. They knew the relations. Mm. So they were investigating, what's your relation with him? Are you in contact with him? Do you know that he's against the government? He's against the uh, regime? He's against the state? And things like that. Mm. Was, as you said, it was threatened that okay, we are watching you. Keep quiet. Be good girl.
1: <laughs> and so going back, yes, very shortly after the invasion, how was what was that like coming back? Where okay. did you go back to, Abil okay. bill? Well,
0: first, let me thank the uh, the UK government because before I came back, uh, the um, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs with the um, Ministry of Women Affairs, but it wasn't a minister. It was that at that time. A department with the Ministry of Industrial, uh, Ms. Patricia Hewitt. Okay, yeah. She was the minister. Mm -hmm. She was very interested in supporting Iraqi women. And she became even a close friend to mine with the help of, of course, the amazing lady, Anne Cloyd. Mm-hmm. the very senior member of parliament who she's a good friend of Kurdish people. So Anne Clewett with Patricia Hewitt, they organized a group of a coalition, a group of a network of Iraqi women in the exile in UK. Mm-hmm. I was one of them. They um, 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 actually, they helped me a lot. They offered me lots of uh, conferences and, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from them. Uh, so the time I came back, there was a program within these two ministers or ministries in UK to go back and support Iraqi women to make that sure that their voice is reaching uh, everywhere, that their voice is heard. So them with, of course, United States government, with the uh, um, um, State Department, and um, we, we we were able to create some meetings and have the first Iraqi women conference in Baghdad. in these places which is Parliament now. It used mm-hmm. to be the convention centre. Yeah. So the first Iraqi women ever gathering after the collapse of the regime, I was part of it and there was uh, well, Patricia Hewitt, she came herself, lots of important. Uh, uh women uh, came from uk and from uh, united states and there was that was the first gathering i was part of it uh, there was lots of workshops on how we reach our voice how to be part of the political process in iraq and this democratic change in iraq since then since then i'm working hard and struggling and i was very interested and keen in making sure that women is going to take place in the political process. Mm. How to get women in any elected council, parliament, whatever. How make sure that any government created in Iraq have women in it. But I don't knew that I am going to be one of these women. I worked hard. I, I became, well, let me say, I don't say famous, but well-known for everyone, even for the coalition, for... Um, American for British, and they supported us. Also Iraqi politicians at that time. There was the governing council with 25 Iraqi important and main politicians. So we, I learned how to lobby, how to campaign for women. Having quota in Iraqi constitution, proudly I am one of these women who we worked hard to have no less than 25%. By the way, we asked for 40%, no less than 40%. Because you always, I learned how to ask for high level. Mm-hmm. We knew that they are going to calculate yeah. it. We negotiate, and finally, we got no less than twenty-five. So that, what you're
1: describing there—that was in the sort of the year, eighteen months after Saddam's fall. Exactly,
0: or? our activity started, let's say, and the, these were June, negotiations
1: with the sort of the the provisional authority, which was largely American. That started
0: after August because right. August, I, th- I think, August September this first body created in Iraq, politician, transitional yeah, administration, transitional yeah. and then since then our campaign and lobby uh, So
1: you were integral to a lot of that sort of constitution building yes. process from the start, yes. I, based in Baghdad yes. as you said at the yes. convention yes. centre. Yani,
0: I was among very few women in the time when Baghdad was like a military base yeah. area there was mm. only mili- military um, I was among very few women who we kept roaming around and Trying to reach our voice.
1: And was there? I get the sense that that in that period, mm. you know, there was a period of a, a year, probably a year and a half, mm. where there was a huge amount of optimism yes. about Saddam having gone and the potential in in Absolutely. Iraq. Absolutely. And at what point? Well, at what point did you decide then you wanted to become an MP? How mm. did that come mm. about? Mm. Was it? Were you well, asked? O- honestly,
0: I being MP wasn't in my mind, uh, but I was willing that in any coming election, there will be women. And because we guaranteed the quota, I knew that there was going to be a good number of women in the coming first elected parliament 2005. But honestly, I didn't knew that I'm going to be one of them. Uh, In the first round in 2005, our uh, election system, or law, it was a closed list. Mm. It was an individual, uh, you know, kind of or system or regime of election. I got a call, phone call from someone in my party. He said, can you tomorrow came to that place, that area, and bring with you your ID, your certificates, and a little, a small photograph, a, a photo of you, yourself, because uh, you are nominated to become a member of parliament. I said, me? He said, yes. I discussed this with my husband, he said, well, you go, let's see, and then we will decide. Um, I went there, they said, without asking me, do you want or not, they say, you were chosen, give us your uh, papers and certificates and uh, everything, and that's it. Uh, you are on the list of PUK to be a member of parliament in Iraq. I said, but I need to ask my family, and um, it's it was hard at that time. The sectarian um, um uh, clash and uh, difficult and problems started in Baghdad mm. Baghdad was like a hell for anyone to be to go and work nobody were willing to go and work for in Baghdad so for me leaving my family my three children and my son was only a few months years old in in Suleymaniyah i used to live there in north in up north which it was secure area in mm. KRG and going to Baghdad on my own it was hard decision to make, uh, but it was again the opportunity that I always looked for, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be an MP. Uh, I, I didn't plan for it, but it was, it was a dream. Um, so I came back, I discussed with my husband, thank you, that he was the first one to tell you should do it. You work hard and you deserve it. And then I had to ask uh, Mam Jalal Salabani, that's how we call it Jalal Salabani. But I was about saying Who was yes or no. President of the he time. was the bit, bit he wasn't a president. president. He wasn't president of Iraq at that time. He was the general secretary of my party. But I wanted to discuss this with him and uh, see what he thinks. Um, and I didn't knew that he was one of the person who agreed that I will be on the list.
1: So your uncle had sort of given, he, yeah, given you the he, permission? Yeah,
0: but honestly, the, the guy who nominated me, it was Nushirwan Mustafa, who split it from PUK and he created the change movement. Okay. Yeah, He was the one who said, I believe Allah is going to be a strong, perfect lady to represent us in the parliament. I knew that later on, that from their meetings, the men meeting to selecting Mm -hmm. women, there was no one women in in PUK political bureau. So the men were meeting in private
1: and picking the women that they needed. Picking the women, exactly, exactly.
0: And then, okay, I met Mam Jalal and I said, the the, the people and the politicians in my party in PUK asked me to. He said, Yes, I believe you are going to be a good woman, a strong voice to go to the parliament, go and do it. That's it. I got the permission from him. Let me say the um, 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 uh, green line from him that I can do it from my family, my my husband in number one, of course, and others. So since then, I'm a member of parliament, but I work very hard. Mm. Trouble work, not double work. Because my background is women and gender equality issues. I... Always wanted to prove for myself, for my family, for my party, and for the society that women are no less than women than men in in capability to be politicians. Mm.
1: And how is it, I mean, how has that experience in Parliament been over the last twelve years now? Yes. It's because that initially, as you as you were starting to say, the. Um, Baghdad at that point, around 2005, 2006, mm. was getting very, very dangerous.
0: Very dangerous.
1: And that must have been difficult for you, difficult for your yes. family. Yes, I um, mean, how are you spending your... How often were you in Baghdad as opposed to Soleimaniya?
0: It wasn't uh, uh, organised. It was like we are in Baghdad, three, four days sessions, go back to our home, two, Mm -hmm. four days, come back for a week, go back for a week, it was like that. Were you fearful
1: with each trip to Baghdad about your own safety?
0: Of course, of course. And at that time there was no flight. We we were we um, we, we used to drive from Suleymaniyah to Baghdad. Which is how long? Seven, eight hours. And sometimes there was checkpoints and mm-hmm. Americans, they are stopping us asking for IDs because they are also afraid and threatened mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. terrorism groups because at that time, Qaeda started to show up, explosion everywhere. So even if you are an MP, still they have to check your ID before letting you get into the capital, Baghdad. Oh I went through very hard and difficult time travelling coming going and there were so many times where there was few minutes between me and explosion somewhere mm-hmm. and uh, you might heard or that there was a big explosion happened inside the building of parliament it was mm-hmm. just few um, you know meters.
1: 2007
0: uh, was that. It was it yeah. was 2007, yeah. I believe. And that yeah.
1: was it. That there was it effectively in the lobby area. In the, I mean, in in the, in the lobby know, area. The, the parliament is housed in, the cafeteria, in this, this which
0: yeah, exactly. convention
1: centre. Exactly. Which is not really built for the purpose of being a parliament. No. But there's a big lobby area. And it, it, there was a, it, yes. an explosion. There was a, there yeah. was a
0: guy who came in just and he exploded himself and one MP was killed mm. and few injured. It's, yeah. So that was the life, but still, um, I didn't lost hope and gave up in continuing my work.
1: And your, jo- I mean, your job as an MP. I mean, you talked about obviously the uh, your your work to promote uh, gender equality and mm-hmm. the, the representation mm-hmm. of women in Iraq. But in terms of the also the the more practical stuff that you have to do on a day-to-day yes. basis yes. Um, in Parliament yes. and uh, in you know just representing. I mean, how does, how does that work in, in Iraq? I,
0: I'm, I'm glad uh, when I talk about my uh, MP career, my career as an MP, which started 2005, end of 2005. In the first four years, in the first term in parliament, I became the head of civil society committee in the parliament, because that was my background. And I did good work, as I believe i passed the law of civil society organization in iraq which was hard it wasn't easy because all this issue of civil society ngos syndicates it was new mm. with the um, um this transitional period from a dictatorship regime which has one union one syndicate for one labor uh, syndicate one uh, teacher syndicate to a, a society which is more freedom more uh, ngo works so I worked hardly with them, and I succeeded in even supp- supporting them and passing the law. And I got lots of uh, uh, thanks, uh, papers and letters from international uh, organizations like United Nations, like uh, some other centers worldwide, thanking me that I was the person who lobbied and worked to pass this law. Mm. Because it was a sign of... Uh, Democratic mm. uh, country in Iraq, like a country who believes in civil society, who have a right to protect the life and the work of uh, uh, NGOs and civil society organization in Iraq. Yeah. In the second term, I became a member of Foreign Affairs Committee, just a member, not a head, and that gives me an opportunity to reach to international organization like IPU. Became a member of Women Committee there. I became a member of. Uh, and, and many um, forum, many parliamentary forum on democracy, peace. And uh, uh, it was a very interesting uh, forum that I joined, and then I became a president for many years. And I'm still a member and supporting them, which was a parliamentary forum on small arms and light weapons. Mm-hmm. These organizations, these forums gave me more power, more education about how other parliaments, our work, how I do networks with other parliaments, how I learn from other parliament and other uh, uh, um, institutions to improve my work as an MP. It was a, for me a, a golden opportunity to learn uh, internationally how I work, how I reach my voice, how Iraqi women should be learned in other uh, uh, um, international community. There was lots of opportunity to to speak in the European Parliament, as I said, in IPU, um, institutions, universities. Oh my God, that was amazing, four years in my life. In the third round, I was more well known as an MP, as a women politician, and uh, I got lots of support from my party. So uh, they are choosing me to be the head of my party in the Parliament. So it was the first. I like this. I was the first woman in Iraqi parliament ever to head a bloc, a party bloc. Since then, and that then I felt now I am a really politician and decision maker because I talked about this in my speech yesterday or in my presentation. Like we need women in in the legislations uh, council, in the executive councils everywhere, but we need her to be decision makers as well. So until then, I was part of this political process in Iraq, but I never felt I am a part of making decision. But when I became a member, a, a head of party, I felt in many areas, in many places, and in many situations in Iraqi Parliament that I am part of making decision in Iraq, mm. because there are so many laws as you are. Mm-hmm. You work very hard with Iraqi Parliament that it needs agreement between parties before passing them. Laws who have political backgrounds who needs to be we can't just pass it like that in the session so many times the the speaker says well we transfer this law because there's Mm -hmm. lots of diversities and thought about it political party leaders please tomorrow you have a meeting and give us you know uh, when you reach it i was so glad that i was the only woman among these 12 13 sometimes 15 men head of parties that i am telling my opinions, and then the de- decision is made in that in,
1: I mean, it's interesting what you say about the the, 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 the role of the political parties in negotiating and mm. brokering legislation, yes. and it not actually being the committees where this is done, it's done yes. outside the committees in, yes. in those sort of private negotiations. But yes. but, do you feel that, um, you mentioned it being in this room of, 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 of men trying to broker these deals, do you still had? How has the dynamic changed? Do you think that things have improved in uh, the position of women in parliament um, yes. against the, the, the domination of, of men in those sorts um, of.
0: As a number, still they are a majority. But I think uh, me, with a couple of other women in Iraqi parliament, we made the change um, that we are accepted. Mm. And um, um, it's, it's not, nothing strange when they are sitting, Allah is among them. Um, thanks, God. I have a good respect from everyone in the parliament, especially those senior members of parliament which I have been working for them since 2005. And uh, they trust me. Um, I'm, I'm glad that there's so many times when I am not there and they want to uh, deal on something or make a decision, they say, well, let's ask Allah as well. Mm. And they call me, they say, come join uh, the group to make the decision on this particular. I am so glad that there was a there's a picture in Iraqi parliament uh, until this day I'm so glad and many people witnessed this especially from uh, my party in peace and from the Kurdish uh, coalition like when the speaker wants to take three opinions in in the parliament on making decision on something for example there's a decision on um, something happened in Iraq um, an accident and and then I don't know how to explain it but a law to be passed, shall we pass it or no, your opinion on something. So there's discussions, but then he ends up taking three last opinion, which is, that's it. And Well, that's the, 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 the environment, and that's the atmosphere in, in Iraqi parliament, Shia, Sunni, Kurd. Mm-hmm. So he always picks someone from Shia, someone from Sunni, and someone from Kurd. The Shia one is the head of the Shia coalition, and the Sunni one is the head of Sunni coalition. Although, as a Kurdish parties, we don't have a one union coalition, but I am the one who, the speaker asks my opinion as the opinion of all Kurdish MPs. Mm. So, Dr. Um, um, Ali adib from Shia, for example, Ahmed Misari or Salah from Sunnah, and then, Allah Talabani, what you as a Kurd thinks of this? I was so glad that I am one of this. Here, I think we are part of making decisions in the country. And in
1: terms of, I mean, in the
0: Legislation Council, at least.
1: You're, you're one of the most experienced politicians in, in Baghdad now. Yes. And um, what are the what's the public's expectation of you? Your voters, uh, what are they expecting? you? Are they in lots of parts of the world you've got? you know, MPs dealing with lots and lots of, mm. you know, individuals' concerns, voters yes. coming to them asking yes. them for help. Is that also part of what you, you're well, doing?
0: One of the other <clears throat> positive things that happened in Iraq is, in the third election, uh, we are 20 women, I am against, among 20 women, who we reached, or uh, uh, who became a member of parliament with no quota. We are 82 women. In the first round, in the previous election, all women became an MP by quota. I I think few. Well, let me be honest two, three, no more. But here now, in this uh, election, the last one, 2014, we are 20 women who we became an MP with our voice. Uh, uh, with no quota. This is also a, a, a good and, and positive uh, example and process forward on women participation. And get me to your point that what our voters think, it means that now our voters and society started to trust women be politicians. And there's another good thing in Iraqi parliament, you know questioning the ministers and um, uh, these um, Um, asking them questions and also taking confidentiality from them. Uh, The the number of women who made these sessions happen, questioning MPs for corruption, are 90% women, 10% men. -hmm. It means how keen women on the corruption (coughs) and transparency issue in Iraqi parliament. There's big names of ministers who were Uh, withdraw confidentiality from them by women MPs who accuse them for having corruption in their cabinet or in, sorry, in their offices. This is good as well. So now all these actions, you know, um, we are not talking about women issue and children's and health and family in the parliament. Mm. We are talking about oil issue, Mm -hmm. security issue, ISIS, uh, um, so many things, budget. Now people started to think that sometimes some of them are really fair, they say, Wallahi, women are more strong and more um, um, uh, um, active than men sometimes in some areas on uh, on talking about this issue and, and reaching our voice to the council. And do, and
1: do you have individual sort of citizens coming to you and asking you for specific things for help as, a, as an MP?
0: Uh, in my area, yeah. in Kirkuk, definitely, definitely. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that our society is not uh, very much knows the difference between a member being a member of the count, the, the province council mm. or an MP, uh, because and this is goes back to many reasons. One of them is during the election, you promise people a lot, so people uh, um, expect a lot from you. Uh, by the way, you when you uh, um, a campaign and run for offices to be an MP, you should taught your society and voters that you are going to try to make their lives better through passing good laws, mm. good budget from them. But they are expecting for you to, for example, to <coughs> building build a good hospital for them, getting a, a job for individuals. What I am telling them, like, I will try to get opportunity for jobs for the city in the budget mm. but not individual but still they are coming asking for jobs asking for um, um helping them to get into in enrolled in a university um, is so there many just days. an
1: expectation that you will do this that yes. this is the MP's job you, yes. I'm coming to you to ask for this and you've yes. got to do it because yes. I'm your voter but they just expect that <laughs> they yeah.
0: expect that they and they they, they sometimes they I mean, they want you to do that mm. It's not, they don't trust that you can't. Some of them, um, they, oh, well, it's funny that I have women or men coming to my office in Kirkuk the day on which I am meeting people. Uh, they come to our surgery there. They say, oh you can do everything. You are very powerful, man. I just quoted you last night you have a meeting with Prime Minister Haider Abadi. So now you can just call him and say, hmm. appoint this guy for me in a police I don't know something. I say I have a good relation with Prime Minister, he respects me. I met him for you know some political issues. But I can't just simply call him and say, yeah. but he expects this from you. I remember once uh, the um, Minister of Interior came to Parliament for questioning and uh, I knew him in person, he's a good friend of mine, and he just uh, turned and gave me a very good and warm uh, hello with hands like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, hello. I don't know why this was shown on TV and, and some voter in Kirkuk spotted this. Next week, when I was here, he just came. He have some problem. He's an employee in the Ministry of Interior. He said, please, can you ask me, ask him to do this? I said, no, unfortunately, I can't. He said, no, you can't. Because I spotted you on TV last week when he was in Paris. How warm hello he gave you. (laughs) It means you have a very good, good relation with him. And he will say no to you. He will never say no to you. Yeah, so they are expecting you to do lots of works for them.
1: And just to, to finish, um, uh, elections next year, um, yes. will you stand again? And what's your, um, I mean, Iraq has obviously been through a hell of a lot in the last um, yes. 10 years or so. What, what's your feeling about the way the, the
0: country is heading and the politics of the country yes. as well? Um, unfortunately, there is some backup of the political process right now, but there's some success as well. I believe uh, liberating many areas and getting rid of ISIS hopefully is important, improve in Iraq happened in the last few years. But still there is lots of uh, uh, misunderstanding between parties, between, unfortunately, between Kurdistan government, regional government and Iraq. Still the issue of oil, budget and uh, disputed area, Peshmergas was not sorted out. And these are all the topics that we are work on in uh, Baghdad. Uh, It is not easy to give up. It's not good to give up. But also, um, um, if you don't have a, a, a clear strategy for the next year, also, it's not easy to just like, oh, of course, I will run again and go back to Baghdad and continue the work that I have started. But as I say, it's not easy just to give up. Oh, this is not going to work. 12 years of work. see where we are. We haven't achieved um, uh, so many good goals, and um, we should just... um, As I learned today as well, I always learn. I always learn. I love learning. I learn from these young women who just became a member of um, uh, local councils. Um, I love learning. I learn from my children. I learned that a ch- uh, change is in, in inside yourself. You just want to change something, just go and do it. Don't stand that. Don't, just don't expect that the change will come to you. You have to be uh, uh, one of the people who wants to make the change, if you believe in it. I believe I can do something. This is my country. Why should I leave after these years of experience and struggling? Uh, but again, it's... It's to my party if they will and wish to, mm. um, to nominate me again, um, to be in Parliament, somewhere else. I don't know to, to continue the work I started.
1: Well, I wish you luck. I
0: love my, pa- my work as an MP. Yeah. I, I just agree. love being MP. It's, 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 it's a good job. It's a, not job. It's a good <laughs> career. I like it. Yes, well, yes. best of luck with everything. Thank and you Allah, so Thank much. you very much indeed. Oh, it you. was very interesting. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you
1: well I hope you enjoyed that we'll be back in two weeks time with the next podcast which is with Gordana Komic who is a Serbian politician and Deputy Speaker of the Serbian Parliament Uh, it is another very very interesting insight into, into politics and how it works on the inside and I hope you'll join us then
0: politics as usual is brought to you by gpcovenants.net remember to subscribe rate or review online